0: Welcome back to a different type of episode of end to end. And uh, what do I mean by different? Well, if you couldn't tell by the title, it's the mid season awards in the National Hockey League. So uh, this will take up a bulk of our discussion throughout the episode episode 14. And it's actually the first Friday recording of end to end ever. So that's pretty new territory for us. Flags is not here. TV and Joel will be uh, keeping you covered in episode 14. Uh, We're still on board for the ride and the boys have some news to share. In the National Hockey League, that is breaking news. Uh, Joe, what is it?
1: We got tons of news this week, man. There was lots of injury news. And of course, uh, for this season, man, tons of coach firings. And another one that happened the other day, Gerard Gallant got canned in Vegas. And then immediately Vegas turned around and hired Pete DeBoer right after. And hopefully... They sent Gerard Gallant a taxi yeah, you know. to go to the airport to go home because I we all know that Florida didn't do that when he got fired from there. Nope. Maybe an Uber, Uber comfort, maybe for Gerard Gallant. So it's such a surprising firing. Vegas is literally right in the hunt for top of the Pacific, mm-hmm. not even a playoff spot. They're right around second, first, third of the Pacific. So this entire firing is just very surprising to me.
0: Yeah, uh, they were on a four-game losing streak, I believe, during that uh, firing of Gerard Gallant, but I don't think that'd be enough for a guy who got you to the Stanley Cup Finals in the first year of your franchise's history. That's kind of weird. And then, obviously, a meltdown, uh, I guess you can call it, last year in Game 7 versus the Sharks. Uh, if they pro- if they got past the Sharks, they're going against the St. Louis Blues, and that's that would be a grudge match to see between Vegas and St. Louis, but... He could have went to back to back Stanley Cup Finals as a head coach in the National Hockey League, and he's actually a really good head coach. He was good with Florida, but obviously, expectation was in Florida when he got fired to make the playoffs, and he didn't. So, I uh, kind of feel really bad for Juregalan. And what I'm what I'm hearing over Twitter and over like news things is that it was really awkward in Pete DeBoer's first day as head coach for the Vegas Golden Knights. Did you hear that?
1: No, I didn't actually. What What do you What do they mean by awkward?
0: Like. Because everyone in Vegas like hated Pete DeBoer because what he did by throwing up lineups, what he said on the bench, what he said in interviews. Uh, there was actually like, I think Ryan Reeves told a reporter he didn't know what to do when Peter DeBoer walked in the room because he was so shocked that his team and his organization would hire Pete DeBoer as the head coach. And he was like, "Do I give him a hug or do I say I'm sorry? Like I I don't know what to say." <laughs> so, uh, pretty interesting situation, and in they're in Vegas, but. They're a great team, and I think they're going to do a lot of damage in this playoffs if they don't run into a five-minute game misconduct again. So we'll see in uh, Vegas land. But other than that, uh, there's some injuries we have to talk about. Another guy who would probably be up for the Norris end we're going to talk later in this episode. Uh, Dougie Hamilton's having surgery after a gruesome leg injury Thursday night versus uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. We all saw the video. What was your first reaction, Joe, on that video?
1: Well, the, the clip that I saw on Twitter, it looked really bad. And even Dougie himself knew like he was kind of like in so much pain. He's kind of melted, like, I think I broke my leg. And he actually fractured his fibula. So he's going to be out at least six weeks, if not more. So it's a big blow to Carolina's blue line because he's having such a great year, a career year. And obviously, he was an all-star. So uh, his teammate, Jakob Slavin, will yep. be replacing him at the all-star game. But, obviously, that doesn't really matter to Carolina. They care about losing their number one defenseman. dougie has been great all year. Um, yeah, just a big loss, and it was a pretty gruesome-looking injury.
0: Yeah, it got, like, I don't want to explain it, but, like, it got stuck right behind his thigh, and it was, yeah, that's yeah. It's not an injury you want to go through, and it's not an injury for the Carolina Hurricanes at this point in time to go through, so... Uh, yeah, talking about the All-Star news, I guess we can get into that, like who's replacing who, and over the week, there's been a couple of replacements. So, Latang was actually named Metropolitan All-Star captain and replaced for Ovechkin, who will serve a one-game suspension after the All-Star break. Um, oh, yeah, so no, okay. Um, um, Vasilevsky named replacement for Tuka Rask on Team Atlantic. Uh, Rask has a concussion. Uh, I, don't, I don't believe, where, where did it come from?
1: Uh, he got elbowed by I don't know his name, but it was yeah. from on the Columbus game. So yeah. Columbus takes out two big guys over mm-hmm. here in the last two days, man. What's Torts saying to his players over there?
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's uh <laughs> it's on the league's part to do, but again, like you can't really do much uh besides like it should have been a penalty for sure on that guy whoever did it through two caras, but yeah, tough injuries for the All Star game. And David Riddick will replace Kemper, who's been on the shelf for like a month and a half now. So mm-hmm. he's going on Team Pacific. He really deserves it. his numbers show. It. So uh, uh, good for David Riddick. So those are the All Star replacements. There's another thing that we have to talk about, and it's the biggest discussion in the whole week of hockey. Uh, ah. I watched a few, I didn't watch the hits in this game, but there's no surprise Zach Cassian and Matthew Kachuk do not like each other. And their beef got to a high extreme this Saturday night when they played each other at Scotiabank Saddledome. I was not watching the whole game. I did not see the hits. Uh, how about you, Joe? Did you see any I, of those? I
1: didn't see them live. I did see like all of them, like I saw replays after the game. Yeah. And I saw live. I saw him the fight that happened after. So Kachuk was basically targeting Cassie and the whole night with these kind of. They're mm-hmm. not dirty hits, but they're 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 predatory. Like he's like hunting him down. He could easily be called for charging with almost all the hits that he threw on Cassian. Yeah. Like he's just going full force, like four or five strides skating, like decking him basically, but like Cassian is like a def- in a defenseless position which makes it worse and like right. That happened three times <laughs> and Cassian just like had it, had obviously had enough of it. He just Lost it. He dropped the glove, started fighting Kachuk. Kachuk turtled because he wasn't really ready for the fight. He didn't Mm want to fight. Kachuk, I mean, Cassian just ragdolled him horribly. Threw him down on the ice without a helmet, which was dangerous. Um, But it it was a bad situation. And then uh, Cassian got suspended two games for it. (laughs) But what was interesting was that when the league explained the reason why it was two games for Cassian, they kind of referenced that. Post game, his his comments post game, Cassians, kind of were like, like you know, I'm gonna get this guy back. Like I have a good memory. Yeah. Um. Like basically saying, like, don't if you wanna like basically hit me like that, you better like answer the bell. So basically saying that like next time these two teams meet, he's gonna do some damage because he now he knows that the yeah. hits that Kachuk were do it was doing to him. Those are legal hits. So he's not gonna get a penalty for it. So the league basically suspended him for basically threatening to do stuff like that to him.
0: Yep, tough situation. Uh, I, my take on it is Kachuk's first hit was definitely worse than a second hit. And when you kind of receive the same hit, you're just not going to let it br- like blow by you. Like Zach Cassian is going to drop the gloves and he's Zach Cassian. Like he's a pretty tough guy. He's having a good season. He's not going to not answer the bell. I felt like Kachuk should have answered the bell and not turtle. Uh, there's a lot of fans out there that are saying that, oh, Kachuk is, you know, that P word, um, that he doesn't want to answer the bell. But at a certain point when you run over a guy like Zach Cassian twice in a game like that, like a big monster's hits, you gotta answer the bell, man. Like Matthew Kachuk has that demeanor in the league. He has that way of hitting people and getting under people's skin and doing that sort of crap. You gotta answer the bell once once in a while, Matthew. And I think on January 29th, we will see that bell answered between Kachuk and Cassian at Rogers Arena. So uh, that's our take on that. Uh, actually, what is your take? Like, what, what do you...
1: Um, so actually, the league office, like Peros and Player Safety, called both Edmonton and Calgary to kind of give them warnings for that January 29th game. So basically, if there is any anything that happens, there's going to be severe, severe penalties because they have been warned by the, the Player Safety uh, program. So it makes it even more interesting. And my take on it, like is that Kachuk, if you're going to hit people like that, especially a tough guy like Cassian who who is willing to drop the gloves all the time, not all the time, but like he's willing, he's not scared of anyone, then you got to answer the bell. You got to fight him, either fight him back or just you got to respect him. You can't run him all the time like that and then not expect him to retaliate. And then you could have Kachuk easily could have got severely hurt there could have been ragdolled his head could have smashed against the ice yep he puts himself in that situation so you can't feel b- bad for him because i don't <laughs> just that's the player that he is and if you're gonna do that you gotta be willing to fight man like that's fighting is not illegal it's part of the rules you can still do it it doesn't happen much anymore but if you're gonna do that you better be ready to do it
0: yeah you're not wrong uh so yeah that's that's our take on the situation and that's basically all the news we have for you today um, I guess we'll get to Battle of the Buds. Uh, that's our next segment. So we will be skipping for this week the Hard Hat Award, the Golden Plunger, and what you say once again. Uh, sorry, Jason drew for that one, but we're going to be skipping those three main awards and talking about the mid-season awards we have we have for you at the end of the episode. But first, we'll get to Battle of the Buds. So my game is actually currently tonight, so I will be I guess adding that to my list for next week. So that's between the Hurricanes and the Ducks. I have the Hurricanes winning tonight, hopefully they win. And then I'll just get right to my picks for this week. So, I'm 23 and 15 on the year so far. I have the Panthers over the Red Wings on January 18th. The Flyers over the Kings on January 18th as well. And then I have the Wilds over the Red Wings on January 22nd.
1: So I went two and one this past week. Uh, The Devils actually beat the Capitals last Saturday so that was kind of surprising. But then the Blues beat the Ducks and the Lightning beat the Kings. So I'm now 23-16 and 16 on the season. And this game for Thomas tonight, Ducks and Hurricanes, is big. Because if he loses that, me and him are tied. Or if he yes. wins that, he takes the lead yep. in Battle of the Buds. So that's pretty interesting to follow. So for my picks this week, the Sharks visit Vancouver on January 18th. I have the Canucks winning at home. Then the Jets visit Chicago for the Madhouse on Madison on January 19th. <laughs> I have the Jets winning there on the road, and the Panthers visit the Wild on January 20th, and I have Florida winning that game.
0: All right, pretty simple, pretty simple stuff. Uh, we'll get right into the midseason awards. So what we're going to be doing this, uh, I don't know, but it's only one time segment anyways, but the All-Star Games next week, and that we're more than halfway through the season, just a bit over halfway through the season, and we felt like, hey, it's a perfect time to name uh, some of the people that we think are going to win awards in June. So, why don't we start off with the... Uh, not the biggest award. Well, the Point Leader Award in the National Hockey League, the Art Ross awarded to the most points in the National Hockey League. Who do you have winning that one, Joe?
1: Connor McDavid, no question. Uh, I know him and Drysaddle have been basically kind of one and two in points all year. Drysaddle was ahead of him at one point, but now McDavid's ahead of him. But, like, lately it seems like McDavid will get three points, Drysaddle gets two points, or you know, they get the same number of points. So I think, I honestly think both of them will finish one, two in scoring. Cause they're, they're pretty, I wouldn't say they're pretty far ahead, but they're like probably five to 10 ish points ahead of like third, fourth, fifth. Yeah. So I'm going to have McDavid taking home the Art Ross. I don't know how many points he's going to finish with. I would say maybe 120, honestly.
0: Yeah, especially the skill set he has. It's not that difficult to do what he can do. Um, I also have Connor McDavid, same reasons as Joe. Uh, basically, this guy is the most dominant player in the league. He's the most fastest player. He's the most skilled player in the league. So, why not have him winning the Art Ross? He already has a big lead, as Joe said, right now. So, I think uh, Connor McDavid will ultimately take that award in uh, June. Uh, we'll move on to the Hart Trophy award. That's the MVP voted by the media and the in the league so far. Not the not the players in the leagues, but like the Ted Lindsay. But the Hart Memorial Trophy. Who do you have for that one?
1: I'm gonna choose Nathan McKinnon for this one because he he's up there with like McDavid in terms of leading the league in points. He's got over sixty-five, I think, so far this year. And his two line mates, Landis and Granton, both went down with over month long injuries. And he carried that avalanche team when they had those injuries. Like he was putting up like twenty points in ten games. Like yeah. he was unreal during that stretch. And now he's he slowed down a little bit. Even with Landis Gogarantin back, but like if he didn't perform as good as he did during that like month stretch, the Avalanche season could have honestly been lost. And he'll still probably finish with like right around 100 points. So I'm going to give the heart to Nathan McKinnon.
0: Yes, as uh, as good as the Cole Arbor native Nathan McKinnon is, I'm going to give this one to Connor McDavid because we've seen throughout this whole season, yes, he has Dry, dry sidle riding shotgun with him. But without Connor McDavid, what are the Edmonton Oilers? And the answer is nothing. They're not a playoff team, and they're looking outside. And I don't. <laughs> without this guy, they're nowhere close to that playoff position. Uh, coaching, goaltenders—it's not good enough. Defense—not good enough. If you just have Drysaddle without McDavid, or you have McDavid without Drysaddle, the Edmonton Oilers aren't the same. You could even give it to both people. But the examples I have for you for Nathan or for Connor McDavid winning the Hart Memorial Trophy is. He leads the NHL in points with 74. He leads the NHL in assists with 49. And he leads the NHL in power play points with 33. And he also leads the NHL in points per game with 154. So just some examples there of just to see how dominant Connor McDavid is. Without him, the Edmontoners are nothing. You can definitely agree with that.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And he just turned 23 on Monday. So this guy is basically four or five years into his career. He is unstoppable, and I think even by the time he hits like twenty five, like so in two years, I think he'll be at his peak. To be honest.
0: Yeah, and it's exciting to watch. He (laughs) dangled the crap out of Morgan Riley a few weeks ago, and that was that was not pretty. And then uh, Riley came up with that cop out answer of saying, "Oh, I was I've been playing injured all year. I got to go for surgery now." No.
1: Yeah, Yeah. broke his ankles. Literally, literally Literally broke broke his his ankles. ankles. But yeah,
0: I have, I have Connor McDavid win the Hart Memorial Trophy as well. Uh, how about your Ted Lindsey?
1: Ted Lindsey. So this award, like Thomas mentioned before, is voted on by the player. So it's different from the Hart. So I'm going to have McDavid for this one just because I know, I basically assume that like 90% of the players in the league know <laughs> that McDavid is the best player in the league. Some players will still say Crosby is. And he has, he has been, he's been really hot since coming back from injury. Crosby has, but Crosby also missed six, six or so weeks during the season so i'm not going to say crosby's the recipient of the ted lindsey it's going to be mcdavid because like how thomas said skates like the wind handles the puck well amazing vision offensive awareness his shiftiness everything about him is just amazing and the players in the league recognize that
0: yep and uh conor mcdavid so far clean sweeping my three awards that i've mentioned Connor mcdavid's taking home the ted lindsey i believe his peers aren't dumb, and they know he is the best player in this league, and he knows, and everyone knows that Connor McDavid is the heart and soul of the Edmonton Oilers. I would give this one to Connor McDavid again. We'll move on to the Rocky Richard, where we where we have two different answers. You can say yours first.
1: So the Rocky Richard, who basically, whoever finishes with the most goals by the end of the regular season. So right now the leader is David Pasternak, but he's got two big guns right behind him in Matthews and Ovi right under him in the 34 to 35 goal range. So Pasternak's got 36 right now and I think he's gonna f- fend off OV and finally dethrone the winner of the rocker Richard for the past like 100 years. And I think Pasternak's gonna take home the rocker Richard this year.
0: Okay, so I am gonna disagree with you on that one as mentioned before. I'm gonna say your boy Ovi is gonna pull through and absolutely go on a heater till the end of the season to win the Rocket Richard. His track record is unstoppably like amazing. After the All Star break, he absolutely goes on heaters. Like I believe one year, I think it was the lockout year, he scored like 38 goals in like 48 games, which is incredible. Uh, I think this guy is gonna go on a complete heater till the end of the year. He has 31. He's five behind David Pasternak, uh, who's at 36, but. He scored five goals so far this week. His recency bias is high right now. I think Ovechkin's going to go on a tear, and he does not want anyone in the league to dethrone him of that award. He's been blessed with so many years. So I'm going to say Ovi just based on his track record and the the way he sets up on the power play. No one stops that shot. So say Alex Ovechkin for that one.
1: I honestly hope I'm wrong in this one because I just acquired him <laughs> in Fantasy. So I do yeah, I hope he honestly scores like 20-plus goals in the next, like, 40 games or however many games left hopefully he just hits 50 and wins it again because he is probably my favorite player in the league overall
0: yeah i i have Dave pastrek on my team and i really hope he does win it but i feel like Ovi just has that like that next step to his game and he'll just fire and goals like unbelievably yeah he has five like i just yeah. mentioned the last week so <laughs> crazy. hopefully hopefully
1: yeah right Let's go to uh, the top defenseman in the NHL, the James Norris Memorial Trophy. So we'll start with you, Thomas, this time. Who do you have winning this one?
0: Yeah, I have Johnny C. winning that trophy, John Carlson of the Washington (laughs) Capitals. He's been a monster for the Washington Capitals on the back end. Uh, I'll just name a couple points uh, about John Carlson this season. He's fourth in goals by defenseman with 13, first in assists, 45, first in points from a D, 58, 10th in NHL scoring, 14th in NHL plus minus 13, second in power play as a D, 19, and first in game winning goals as a defenseman, and sixth, and ninth in, a, in the whole entire NHL in time on ice, 24 minutes, 50 seconds. If that doesn't prove that he's worthy, worthy of the Norris Trophy, I don't know what is because he started off the hottest by far in the league. Mind you, like players in the league, mind you, defensemen in the league, he started off the hottest. Uh, I think he's gonna win the Snorris Trophy and I hope he really does.
1: Yeah, who do you know who leads the NHL in goals for a
0: defenseman? Um, let me check that out quickly, hold on.
1: It might, like I was thinking about it, like cause he is at thirteen. I I know Yossi is around fourteen.
0: No, I think it's uh it's Zach Rowensky with fifteen. Really? Yeah, twenty eight points in forty one games for Wolensky, but he scored a hat trick, I believe, like a week ago. Yeah. And he's yeah, he's now at 15 so 15 goals man <laughs> but john carlson's like amazing and i i i think i know who you have as well
1: yeah i uh, i of course have johnny c as well man john norris as ov called him uh, yeah. a, a couple months ago yeah like thomas already listed all of his stats the guy's been unreal all year and ever since he's they won the cup th- he was a free agent that summer and they signed him to an eight year eight million dollar extension and it, those, this is the third year of that extension. And every year he's gone better. Which, yeah. like, you would think that, you know, after signing a big contract, they kind of stabilize and then drop off. But Carlson's gone better over the course so far of his contract. He turns 30, I think, this month.
0: No, he's actually just 30.
1: Oh, he's just 30. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, John Carlson's 30, so he's obviously in his prime. So he's been great for the Capitals his whole career, but especially the last three years and obviously on their Cup run. He's been great, and he deserves to get recognized as the best defenseman in the league this season.
0: Yeah, he uh, just turned 30 on January 10th, so not too long ago, but again, Joe mentioned it, the, the contract right now is looking phenomenal for that team. I was really hoping uh, John Carlson could go to free agency, and you know, the Leafs need help on defense. I really hope they would sign him, but they signed John Tavares and said, I'm not mad about that, but I'm just saying that John Carlson's a, uh, an amazing defenseman in this league, and he's, he's just got better and better at time. so uh, I'd love to see him pick up that Norris Trophy at the end of the year, but we'll go to the next award, which is award to the goaltender, the Vesna Trophy.
1: So this one was a hard one for me. There hasn't the thing with the NHL these days is that there's lots of goalies that split starts, so they have backups that are reliable to split starts, like a goalie. So say like Carey Price. This is a bad example, but like say if he had a good backup. Which he doesn't. <laughs> he would play probably around fifty-ish games, forty-five to fifty, so about just over half the season. And then the backup would play like thirty plus. So that's kind of like where a lot of NHL teams are at right now. And as you can see with the Dallas Stars, Ben Bishop and Anton hudobin have this system in place, and Dallas has been th- really thriving with this system because they don't score many goals. So I'm gonna give the Vesna to Ben Bishop because he's been great all year long. He hasn't really had like a bad period. It was mostly when Dallas was terrible at the beginning to start, but I don't entirely blame that on him, because mm-hmm. they righted the ship, they're doing good now, he's winning close games, he's keeping them in games, so again, this one was hard, because he hasn't played that many games, but his yeah. stats are, are really good, and I think he deserves to win the Vesna because he was in the conversation last year as well, with limited games played.
0: Yeah, exactly, like the same scenario once again for Ben Bishop, but... Uh, I'm going to give this to his counterpart in the central division, Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, it's a name that you're like going like, what? Like, why would you pick Connor Hellebuck? There's many better goaltenders in the league. Well, just name a couple stats off for you and his, uh, his run this year he's been on. Uh, so Connor Hellebuck is fourth in wins in the entire NHL. He's first in saves, 1,115, fourth in save percentage among starting goalies, 0.923, seventh in goals against average among starters. 2.57, and first in the whole NHL in shutouts with four. So we talked about this before uh, we started the season even. The Winnipeg Jets' defense is atrocious. They Mm -hmm. have really no big names out there besides Josh Morrissey and upcoming defenseman Neil Pionk, who's been phenomenal this year. Tons of credit to those two, but we never really thought that this NHL defense core would be good, and they're not really that good. Connor Halibut is saving the Winnipeg Jets right now. Like just look at his numbers. Just look at his play. He's been phenomenal all year. Um, he's currently fourth in the NHL with wins with 21. He's played a lot of games. Lauren Bursua hasn't given him enough, enough relief in this, uh, in this season. And Connor Halibut has been stepping up to the plate. He is dominant in the NHL this year. And I feel like, you know, there's other guys out there like Vashlevsky's just been hot. Bennington, Frederick Anderson, David Riddick, Fleury, uh, Guys like that, but like Connor Hellebuck does not get, get enough credit because his defense core in front of him isn't that good as uh, those other teams I just mentioned. So that's the only reason why I'll give it to Hellebuck. Like at the end of the year, I don't think he will win it because I feel like other people will just go with the bigger name. But Connor Hellebuck should definitely win it and should definitely be in the conversation for the Vesna Trophy.
1: Yep, very valid points indeed, man. All right, let's look at the Rookie of the Year award. The Calder Trophy. So this goes to the, obviously the best rookie season uh, during the NHL season. There's some great candidates this year, especially on the blue line. So, Thomas, who do you got?
0: Yeah, I got number eight of the Colorado Avalanche. You probably are thinking this in your head Who you're listening. It's, it's Kel McCarr. Uh, Kel McCarr has been a, an absolute beast. Is he 20 or 21? I believe he's 21. Okay, so he's been a beast at age 21. doesn't matter the age. He's second in points among rookies, second in assists with 24. Um, plus five, first in points per game, 0.87 among rookies, second in power play points with 14, and first in game winning goals with four, and third in time on ice among rookies with 20, 39 minutes. Uh, absolute beast for the guy uh, for the Colorado Avalanche. And he's been injured as well this year as well uh, for them. And an underrated stat for him is getting pucks through the screenings. He's He has 10 goals this year for the Avalanche, and he's been able to get pucks through, like, players coming out and blocking the shot. That's a really underrated status of defenseman to get pucks uh, through onto the net for high alert scoring chances. He does it all the time. His elise, his elusive skating gets him away from defense, uh, defense players, and he's been able to do it all year for the Colorado Avalanche. I've been hearing this guy a lot through trades uh, in our fantasy team. My brother has him, so, I mean, he's been dealing with a lot of trades coming in for him. Uh, but I would never trade this guy, and I would never trade him as a Colorado Avalanche GM. Joe Sakic. I'm talking to you. Kael McCarr is a future Norris Trophy to winning defenseman, and he's going to be the Calder this year for sure.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no questions, no no disagreeing with you there. Kael McCarr for me is obviously the Calder recipient this year. Thomas already listed all of his stats, but even then you have to think about in this perspective, the Colorado Avalanche trusted him so much for showing so little in the playoffs last spring that they traded away Tyson Berry, who was their number one defenseman, for most for basically yeah. Barry's whole career there probably one or two defensemen these Barry's their leading offensive defenseman he leads the Avalanche in points from a defenseman all time so he's basically one of their best defensemen they've ever had so they were comfortable enough with mm-hmm. giving McCar the reins already basically yeah. in his rookie year so they could trade away Barry save some cap space but then they got Nazem Kadri to kind of solidify some center depth that they were really lacking last year which Kajra has helped solidified. So, from that perspective, them giving so much trust to Makar, twenty-one-year-old defenseman entering his official rookie year, and him performing like this is even more remarkable. Cause like it basically shows he has nerves of steel. He can yeah. be relied upon already. He plays already a ton of minutes. He skates really well. His skating like his skating ability is so so smooth for a defenseman, which I love seeing. And like Thomas said, like he, a lot of his goals come from screens or just shots from the point that kind of come from nowhere. Like, they're not like, you know, one-timers or they're just kind of like shots from the point. They'll, they'll sneak in. Yeah. But then he he's capable of scoring some highlight real goals or plays as well, of course. He's a special player. And like Thomas said uh they'll never i don't think they'll ever trade mccarr unless (laughs) of course he decides to leave for some reason yeah but yeah i think he likes it in colorado there he's obviously gonna win rookie of the year but i want to shout out some uh, another candidate for the calder quinn hughes Mm -hmm. has been really good for vancouver as well this year he's basically like their number one kind of defenseman as well i know they have that pairing with edler and tana that's kind of their shutdown pair so Hughes I think he has over 30 points as well like Makar of course he's a defenseman he's a little bit smaller than Makar more mobile more offensive in terms of gen- going up the ice but he's been really good as well for Vancouver and it looks like a steal at 7th overall in the 2018 draft.
0: Yeah, Vancouver is still waiting for Oli Ulaevi to develop but they got Quinn Hughes <laughs> oh now God. so. Yeah, I know it's been it's been quite a while for them to develop Oli Ulaevi from the London Knights. Uh, Organization, but Kale McCarr has been filling that void, and they also drafted Bowen Byram as well. We all can't forget about that. So he's Mm -hmm. on the come up as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that pairing could be disgusting in the future. They have Samuel
1: Gerrard as
0: well. Yeah,
1: their young decor is amazing. Don't they have Timmons as well?
0: Yes, Connor Timmons. Yep.
1: So that could be a top four under the age of 24.
0: Yeah, and (laughs) that's that's incredible for Joe Sakic just to think. Just having the nerve to trade Tyson Berry. Imagine if Tyson Berry was having a Norris Trophy type of season on a team where he should be having a Norris <laughs> Trophy type of season. Um, Joe Saki gets a lot of credit in this. I, I think um, Kale McCarr has been good, put in a good situation, and I believe he played the World Juniors with your cousin. And Kale McCarr was not the best defenseman for Team Canada in that tournament. So, I, know. I mean, most mo- most players don't have a great world juniors, but he's been able to step up in the NHL, and he has 34 points in 39 games. So congrats to Kilmakar, and hopefully he wins the uh, Calder. Yeah. Uh, we'll move on to the next award, and this is the award that is called the Selkie Trophy Award. It's, basi- it's basically should be renamed Bergeron after he retires because who the hell is Selkie? Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we've been Who's James this. Norris? I don't yeah. know who that is. Like, we've been saying this for years, and I think that the NHL really, really really needs to like rename a couple awards because I know these guys were big in the hockey world a few years ago and they've developed this sort of status for the league. But Patrice Bergeron's uh, name has to be this trophy after the year. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna let you go first because I know this is your guy and you have him fantasy right now. Who is the Selkie Trophy winner at the end of the year?
1: The Selkie Trophy, which, like you said, should be renamed the Bergeron, should be given right back to Bergeron <laughs> this year. He's got 40 points in 40 games, 20 goals, 20 assists. Of course, he's always going to miss some time with injury, but even yep. as he's getting up there in age, man, he continues to put up great numbers, especially with his line mates. He continues to score goals. He wins a ton of face-offs. He's always plays the penalty kill yep. like his entire career. Like he doesn't slow down. Like he has like his routine. Yep. The way he plays is not really like flashy. No. He does all the right things all the time. Every time I watch, I'm like, he rarely makes mistakes on the ice. Unless like, you know, you have another selkie candidate that would come and kind of take the puck away from him steal the puck from him but he's he's not really much of a puck thief but he takes care of the puck so he doesn't turn it over that much yeah makes a smart pass then changes if he knows he's tired he'll dump it in. he won't try to force anything he's a very smart player and he's still contributing at a high level for defensively and offensively given his age so i'm going to give it to patrice bergeron
0: yeah, my award recipient is different from Joe's. It's uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, number 61, Mark Stone, who just returned uh, back to Ottawa last night. He, I, I believe he got two points and one go- one of them was a goal, so mm-hmm. grab some Mark Stone for there. But I'm going to say he's going to win the Selkie. I mean, this guy is an underrated player in the league. He's still underrated besides the point that he's like he's putting up these points and he's still underrated. With Vegas, I, fe- I, really, I really do feel, like honestly, he will be the future captain for the Vegas Golden Knights. He already has the A in his first full season for them. Uh, But just to name a couple stats quickly for Mark Stone and how he should win the Selkie. He has the most takeaways in the entire NHL this year with 64 and he has 34 block shots to go with that. He's a plus six, his plus minus rating isn't amazing, but still he's a positive in that category Uh, over those four game stretches where they were losing and losing and losing. Mark Stone really stepped up for the Vegas Golden Knights. I feel like he should really win the Selkie Award. He was up for it last year, and I, I thought me and Flager agreed on last year that he, we, we thought he was going to win, but Ryan O'Reilly, I believe, took away took that uh, trophy home last year. So Mark Stone should definitely get it. He's a winger. He'd be the first winger to get it since Yuri Lettinen of the Dallas Stars. So hopefully he can get it in June, and I really do uh, I think he will. So Mark Stone is my Selkie Award winner.
1: All right. Mark Stone, man. So like, yeah, like thinking about him now, like like you just said, like a uh, winger hasn't won the Selkie in like almost twenty plus years. Yeah. So So there's like a bias against wingers being defensively responsible because that's assumed to be like the easiest. Because it is, it is the easiest position to play on the ice. So I guess people like don't really put much,
0: yeah, uh, no, I don't like know focus
1: on that. They think like centers. You know, you have to win face-off. You have to always be the third man in your zone, like behind the net or in front of the net. So I guess that's why like there's that stigma that exists. So I understand where why there are always centers win, but like yeah, like I wouldn't mind at all if Mark Stone wins this award because he's definitely deserving, especially with all the takeaways that he has every year.
0: I know I don't know, I, I don't know why he's still underrated. Like,
1: and he's paid like nine and a half million a season. He's like the highest one of the highest paid <laughs> wingers in the
0: league. <laughs> like I know he started late in his career. I believe he started at like twenty three or twenty four, but like he's got to come out now and be like this dominant player that everyone models the game after. Cause he plays a perfect game. And I know one of my buddies really wanted to get him last year at the trade deadline and he's a Calgary fan. We all know who it is. Yeah. Uh, he really wanted to acquire Mark stone. And I think he would be a perfect fit for the Calgary organization, but ultimately he went to Vegas for Eric Branstrom. And I feel like both those teams got a good enough deal, but March Mark stone is he's, he's a really good player in this league. So, uh, we'll move on to the last trophy we'll be giving out for our future uh, award winners in June. And it's the Jack Adams uh, trophy named to the coach of the year. You'll start first. This guy is really deserving. My guy is really deserving. Hopefully, uh, one of these guys can get it in June.
1: So I'm going to go with Mike Sullivan of the Pittsburgh Penguins. So now, Pittsburgh doesn't have the best record in the league or anything like that. But if you look at all the man games lost to injury and all the players yeah. they lost, it's amazing how they're still even competitive never mind in a playoff spot they should Sullivan deserves a ton of credit he made a lot of tough choices with his lineup especially basically having Tristan Yari steal the starting role away from Matt Murray trusting Yari and Yari has gotten the job done a lot of the season and then of course like putting plug-in holes for injuries to Crosby who missed six weeks as I mentioned before Malkin missed a month Genso's is basically done for the season now. As of a few weeks ago, he's about to miss four to six months. They missed mm-hmm. Letang for a few games. Mm-hmm. Dumoulin is out. Like all these guys yeah. are, key, are core members of the team, and big contributors. Rust, like I yeah. can name a bunch. They all missed at least a couple of games. And the fact that they're, I think they're second or third in the the, the metro, so they're still around there. They're still they could still win the division. I don't think that's gonna happen, but they're there. And a lot of it has to go to Sullivan's coaching and the tough decisions he had to make, the call-ups that he made that worked out for them. Kuliak is an example. This guy has been producing well because of the injuries. So just those alone make him the coach of the year for me.
0: Yeah, it's tough not to go with Sullivan because of the injuries you just named, like, dude, those are, like, core guys. And we, at the beginning of the year, I'm going to mention, like, the stuff we said at the beginning of the year. We thought this team wasn't even a playoff team with, with Crosby, with Malkin, with Rust, with <laughs> Gensel, with yep, yep, yep. And with the injuries, they're, like, they're in the conversation for a divisional and conference win. Like, that's incredible for Mike Sullivan to do. I would go with Mike Sullivan, but I'm going to go with a guy who's in the Western Conference, Rick Tockett of the Arizona Coyotes. He was believed to be in the conversation last year for the Coach of the Year. Ultimately he wasn't because of where Arizona finished and it was outside the playoffs. So I I really do feel like the Arizona Coyotes could make the playoffs this year. They have 57 points in 50 games played, but everyone is behind their tail. I mean, everyone in that central division is good besides the Nashville Predators. Well, we'll talk about them another day, but (laughs) (laughs) 54 points is the Winnipeg Jets. And I just mentioned 57 uh, points for the Arizona Coyotes. Like it's, it's, it's going to be a tough race. For the Arizona Coyotes to make the playoffs. And they do not have that star power. They have Taylor Hall. They have Phil Kessel. They haven't been performing as of late. But Taylor Hall has been really, really good for them. And I don't think he'll be signed in the offseason. That's the one thing that is holding down the Arizona Coyotes for going into next year. They might not have Taylor Hall and that offense to uh, lead them to a Stanley Cup Finals. But I'll just mention a quick, quick stats about Rick Tocchet here. Um, Arizona last year had a minus 10 goals goal differential. And this year he's brought them up to plus 12. I know it's not the end of the year yet, but he's brought them up to plus 12. That's incredible. Uh, They're eighth best in goals against this year, and they have the second best away record in the National Hockey League, 14-9-3. What Rick Tockett has been able to do with this lineup he's had, he doesn't have that number one center. They have Christian Dvorak playing there right now. I don't think he's the number one center there, and I don't think he's the answer there. They have Derek Stepan as the second line center. What he's been able to do with the rookies in his lineup, and the smaller type of guys... Uh, in the National Hockey League. He's been really able to put lines together. And with the goalie injuries, been able to call up Aiden Hill, who's been okay for them, and Antti Ranto, who's been injured as well. So their goal situation isn't good right now, but I think they're in good hands with Rick Tocca, and he's a very underrated candidate for the uh, Jack Adams Award trophy in June. So, yeah, that's my Jack Adams winner. Mike Sullivan's yours. Uh, that's the end of the award so far here.
1: No. Yep. We, we recapped all the major ones. So
0: Yeah, there's some other ones there, like the, what's the award for the penalties? I forgot what it's called. Uh, uh
1: The Lady Bing.
0: Lady Bing, yeah. I mean, I could quickly mention my boy Austin Matthews he only has six penalties this year, so six penalties in minutes, sorry, this year. And he's been performing like, uh, he's like on, I don't know like. why people say he's on pace for 60 goals. Like, j- let's just be happy that he's going to get 45 plus.
1: I know. I, I the only this is what pisses me off. Every time he has like a <laughs> two goal performance or anything, yeah. Twitter, anyone that works for the Athletic that works, uh, like that covers the Leafs. Every time someone on that team scores a goal or two goals in one game, they just instantly tweet like some this person's on pace for this many goals. It's like, yeah. it's like can you relax? Like you sound like a, a five year old fan right now. Like Yeah, a fanboy. Like holy smokes. Like we know he's amazing. Matthews is amazing. He's an amazing goal scorer. He's on fire the past few weeks. We understand. Can he at least finish the season? Yeah. And we'll see where he's at. Why do you have to always say, yeah, he's on pace for 60 plus, 100 this points. Like, just relax,
0: man. Enjoy the ride. Yeah, exactly. Enjoy how the Leafs are playing right now. And then, I mean, they lost versus Calgary last night. But, I mean, Austin Matthews has been dominant in the league. He's probably, like, the favorite for the Lady Bing right now. I'm going to quickly go on penalty minutes in the league.
1: Yeah, I, I don't really know. I don't really know
0: either, that's why. So I'm just going to, like, scroll through because, like, the most of the guys I'm seeing have zero and they're not really known players in the NHL. But, like... Or they played, like, five games. Yeah, so I'm just going to quickly go through it. I don't see a lot here. That's why. Um, like, the players that I'm seeing don't have the points enough to get that trophy because I think it's a combination between, like, the time on ice you play and the games played and the points you get and the, mm-hmm. and the penalties you get. So what I'm saying, like, I'm, I'm, what I'm looking at is Austin Matthews is the best here right now. Okay, like I'll, give him,
1: I'll give it to him there too then. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of players you could talk about. Like, I'm just quickly going through it. But, yeah, Lady Bing, I would say he's the favorite right now. Um, what other awards are you missing?
1: There's GM of the Year. But GM of I the feel, Year. I feel like that's more of the end of a year award because, of course, the trade deadline hasn't happened <laughs> yeah. yet. Yeah so exactly. that, that I, I don't think we can do that one yet um there's like the Mark Messi Leadership Award um there's like that community the Willie O'Ree Award there's yeah a bunch there's of, a like, lot there's a lot of awards that kind of are based on like teams and what they do internally so yeah it's not really stuff that fans can see right now yeah. unless you follow that team
0: yeah exactly so. Well, even the Selkie's hard to follow. I mean, there's no like stats out there. Oh, takeaways. Like, yeah. I had to really dig for those stats. And like Bergeron is obviously a name that's been coming up in the conversation for years. So, I mean, that's not a stupid pick as well. But yeah, we that's that's the awards uh, midway through the season. Uh, the All Star break is next week. I don't know if we're going to be able to record on the Friday or the Saturday, but there's going to be nothing going on besides the All Star game. So, I mean, there won't be a lot to talk about, but. I know you have a hot take, and you wrote it down before we started recording. What is a hot take?
1: Yeah, so this week's hot take, my spicy meatball, if you want to call it. It's not that bad because, again, this episode's a little bit different compared to what we normally do. But it is kind of a hot take, I would say. So with all the coaches that have been fired, and there's been a lot this, this year, especially in the Pacific Division... Uh, I am I said at least two more coaches will be fired before the end of the regular season, so not after. So before April, whatever, the last mm-hmm. game, game 82, I'm saying at least two more coaches will be fired. And I have two in mind that I think m- it might happen to, and that's Barbecue Bruce Boudreau of the Minnesota <laughs> Wild. Because the, that franchise is just, they don't really have a direction right now, so I feel like they might, I don't know if they'll fire him at the end of the season, but... I f- they might fire him within to kind of see what they have with internally, but I'm not sure yet. But they kind of need a direction. Mm-hmm. Bruce Boudreaux is a coach that would want to coach, I guess, a contender now or at least a more experienced team. Yeah. And then another one I have is Jeff Blatchell of the Red Wings because they're just god-awful. Yeah. And they we just checked just before we started recording. They have the worst goal differential in the entire league by 40-plus goals. They have a minus 81 goal differential. Like, how bad do you have to be to have a team like that? Pretty, I,
0: pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> yeah,
1: so I'm not blaming Bladjohn entirely, but, like, he's been there for years. They haven't really done anything. They haven't developed. Larkin's kind of taken a step back, I feel. Yeah. And a lot of their younger guys haven't really taken, like, that next step. Like, Philip Zadina, who apparently was going to fill the net with goals when he got to the league. I think he was, like, four or six, something like that. But, like, he hasn't really done a good job, I would say, developing prospects that they have
0: yeah so just to put it in perspective last year's worst goals against our differential was minus 61 so hardy the, the detroit red wings are uh, a pretty bad team this year like they're just not gonna get done Andreas athanasio is gonna win the masters this year because minus his 100. differential is <laughs> terrible so yeah so the, the detroit red wings is minus 81 the last year's um, a last place in differentials, minus 60. So 20 gold difference for the Detroit Red Wings. Like, I don't know how you can, like, you're going to obviously trade pieces at the deadline. Just like, oh, are you going to say Mike Green is a good defenseman? Like, are you going to, like, entice people? Hey, like, like he has a good plus minus. He has a good amount of points. I don't know. Um, those are one of the things that the Leafs are looking at. They're looking at defense and looking at a backup goalie. And Jonathan Bernier, Mike Green's name, seem to be popping up for the Leafs. But we'll see what they do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, yeah, the Detroit Red Wings are uh, terrible this year. And it's, it sucks because, like, I mean, that streak that they had, like, 25 years straight in the playoffs, like, it's just it, – that's, like, in the back of your mind now. that You just think of Detroit now is – gonna, they're going to come into your barn – and lose so yeah basically yeah like you're gonna like you're gonna score no matter what you're gonna score goals and you're gonna win the game but
1: unless you're Montreal
0: yes they have they're
1: 0-3 yeah 0-3 they have they I think Detroit is ta- like their wins. so Detroit has 12 wins so a quarter of them have come against Montreal
0: that is not good yeah
1: that's hardy I don't even know what to say that's, <laughs> that's we- flat on embarrassing <laughs>
0: We talked about the Habs last week, and I like they've they've been okay since. They've been okay.
1: Yeah, you you, uh, you and Flager had the Montreal and uh, Carey Price as the plunger. Price has won the his last three starts and only given up two goals.
0: Yeah, so the plunger is doing its work once again. Yes, it is. It's doing its work, and like we said last week, like could Carey Price be on the Habs roster? <laughs> and the, the win streak he's put together so far has been incredible so far. Um,
1: so, yeah, back the, to the question.
0: Yeah. Because we, we,
1: no we didn't get an answer from you yet. Yeah. So do, you think, do you think at least two more? So I gave you two examples, but in general, do you think at least two more will be fired before the end of the regular season?
0: You know, it's tough because, again, mentioning one of our episodes was called, called Coaching Carnival and there was only i believe like four or three firings there and that was a lot for the league now we've seen like seven or six in the league and potentially with your hot take here two more it's gonna be eight i we've never seen this we've never seen eight no. coaches fired in a season and jeff blashill okay like i understand where his team is i understand the is being like okay we're bad like i don't think he'll be fired But with Barbecue Bruce, he should have been fired the first two weeks of the season. Like, the the stretch they run, they had, like, one point in, like, eight games or something like that. It was, like, like you should have been fired there. But Bill Guerin, the new GM there, didn't do that uh, decision. And I believe, like, he's been there for, what, five years? Something like that. And I believe they have to move on. They have to get a new coaching um, voice in that room. Just to get through players, where the direction's going, and I feel like Bill Grant will address that in the off season. I just don't know if these two will happen during the year. That's it's a tough question because, like, I don't know directions, ex- expectations. It's tough to see, but I don't know. I, I it's not dumb to say because both teams are terrible and are not in the direction. Maybe their teams want to go, but I don't know. Uh, maybe it happens in the off season, but we'll, we'll see. Like, it's it's tough to say.
1: Mhm. For sure.
0: I would say no, just based on the track record, but we've seen, again, this season, we've seen a coaching carnival, so.
1: Literally carnival.
0: Literally. Um, That pretty much wraps up episode 14 of End to End. Any last words from you, Joe?
1: Uh, So I had a couple articles that came out last week. It was ranking the seven Canadian teams so far through the halfway point of the season. That's kind of honestly changed within the last two weeks, but I'm on, I'm not gonna put up another article, but like you can see kind of my reasoning there. Yep. And me and uh, Jake, one of yes. our members of our NHL team, also did a buy low and sell high article for those fantasy owners that are struggling or they kind of wanna they want to sell high on players to get more value for them. So yep. check that out as well.
0: All right, that's it from you. Yep. All right, you know what I go end with? I end with the point leaders, goal leaders, and the win leaders. So. The point leader heading into the All-Star break is 74 points, Connor McDavid, we mentioned him, winning absolutely like probably every trophy in the award ceremony in June. The goal-scoring leader is 36, with uh, David who has that number. And the win leader is my goalie in fantasy, Andrei Vasilevsky, who is a lone leader with 23 wins in the NHL. So that pretty much wraps up episode 14 of N10. I, I do not know when we'll be back, but we should be back next Saturday.
1: Join us.